Welcome to the Will and Aaron Show. We talk about local high school sports, including the Northern Indiana Conference and the Northern Lakes Conference, plus teams in St. Joseph and Elkhart Counties. We also discuss some Notre Dame football. Aaron, how are you doing this week? Doing good, Will. Um, yeah, a lot to talk about. Another week of high school football in the books. How's How are things for you? Oh, it, was, it was a great week. Um, basketball practices and school and trying to get stuff ready for the class of 2026 because I sponsor them and uh, you know getting ready for the show uh, watching NFL watching college great time Aaron to be alive that's what I say great time to be alive no doubt well Aaron let's start with topic number one and that is Notre Dame Ohio State uh, we're very privileged and honored to have with us Notre Dame football beat writer for the South Bend Tribune Mike Berardino. Mike, welcome to the Will and Aaron Show. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to to hang out with you on Zoom here. And um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, happy to happy to rehash a game that I think we'll be talking about for a long time. Yep, yep. You know, uh, before we dive into the, the actual game, uh, you know, Mike and I have an interesting story how we met each other uh, every year. My condo association has a pool party, and I'll be honest, I just go for the free food. Uh, so I was chowing down the food and uh, actually doing some work on my uh, computer when this guy walks over to me and strikes up a conversation. We talk a little bit, and, and then the conversation turns into sports, which eventually leads to Northern football, and then what Mike does, and then you know I tell him what I do, and and uh, I, I'll say this, Mike, I'm grateful that you came over to say hi. I uh, never knew I had a Notre Dame football insider literally <laughs> living a football field away from me. So let's, you know, dive into the game. Obviously, Notre Dame lost 17-14 on a, that last play there. But just kind of overall, just give me your thoughts on what you saw and what you took away from that game. Wow. A, a headache? Um, the, uh, just from trying to, I'm still trying to process, uh, what we saw, you know, you think of the Jack Buck call, I don't believe what I just saw, but, um, uh, you know, that there were some inexcusable things that happened in that game. There were some random things that happened in that game. There was a, you know, for a game with, uh, to make sure I have this right, with no actual turnovers, right? No, no turnovers. No fumble, uh, no interceptions. Yeah, game with 31 total points, and, and I guess I think I tweeted at halftime. It was the wildest three nothing half I I could ever remember. I mean, I know there've been some you know through the years, but um, this was a wild game, and this is going to be one that Ohio State seems to want to. It will be able to ride uh, through the rest of the schedule up until it um, faces Michigan and or Penn State first a couple weeks. But um, for for Notre Dame, it's it's a tough turnaround now. Duke is more than your usual Duke. It's got Riley Leonard sitting there, and Riley Leonard, from what we've seen, is way more dangerous and way more mobile than Cal McCord was, and and yet Notre Dame could not keep McCord and his excellent receiving group uh, in check the whole night, much of the night, but not for that final 65-yard drive, and not on third and nineteen. Not on third and nineteen, fellas, from the plus from the plus twenty-two for Ohio State. Um, that was not good. Yeah, that was a that was a tough conversion that Ohio State made there. And you know, I think about on that we're talking about the last drive there, uh the near interception that wasn't. Uh yes. you know, if they get the interception, uh Notre Dame that is, uh the game's probably over at that point. Um but, Let me just jump in there. Let me jump in there real quick because yes, that was DJ Brown who missed that one, and he's been getting a lot of uh, ug- ugliness, I'd say, on 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 uh, online that I've noticed today, uh, and that's that's not right. That's not fair. Uh, th- things are going to happen. Um, you know, we'll get to the ten men on the field thing in a bit, but um, you know, I think of the uh, that game could have turned. There could have been a, several points where the turnover could have happened. Uh, Sam Hartman still has not thrown an interception as a Notre Dame quarterback, but it, it's incredible that he hasn't because uh, several moments, including um, 
Uh, number 44, JT Tuamalo, uh, with the, with, ha- had a pick six in his hands, potentially at, uh, on that little screen pass, I think, uh, with, with about four minutes on the four minute offense, about three and a half to go. And, and that was right there. I mean, you, you just talk about a crushing blow, but I'll tell you something, if that had happened that way, if, 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 if Hartman had thrown the pick and then had gone for a pick six and you give up the lead there with, uh, um, about two and a half minutes to go. Obviously, Notre Dame uh, would have had time, plenty of time, with what we've seen with their offense, uh, to get at least dictate the terms of the rest of the game and at least go down and have a field goal attempt to tie. Although Spencer Schrader, you know, needed to make that forty-seven yarder early, and uh, uh, who knows how that would have gone. But um, he's three of seven so far, which surprised me. Big, you know, he's, he owns the longest field goal in Notre Dame history already. But three of seven and and just one of three inside the fifty, that's a concern. But anyway, that's uh so many things. That's what makes I think it was a classic game. I think it's a really um it was a privilege to to cover it. And um uh, uh I think we'll be turning it over in our minds. And no, certainly Notre Dame, uh everyone needs to re-examine uh how it went. That's what film breakdown is. But I think the coaching staff and its processes and Marcus Freeman and and the flow of information and the voices that are, you know, on these different channels uh, on his headset. Um, there was a breakdown. There was a breakdown because you cannot come out of the timeout uh, and, and and make your substitutions and um, have only 10 men on the field. Hmm. And um, you need to have a better explanation after the game for why there wasn't some other uh, – strategy some outside the box moment even if you just communicate to your guys once you realize somebody has to realize after the pass on second down is incomplete for marvin harrison in the end zone that you had 10 guys in the field and even though no timeout there was time to substitute there and i know substitution rules but i believe that the official stopped things for a second so that Ohio State could substitute, and there was an opportunity to substitute, and even if there weren't, even if just very last second, just chaos, and it was chaotic, you got some smart guys on that defense. So all you have, all you need is one guy to just just go ahead and jump off sides, engage, just just knock over the center, whatever, encroach, and then you've given up. As I wrote, eighteen inches. You've given up. Uh, you know they're on the one yard line. So let them have it on the half yard line. So what? Is eight or eighteen inches equivalent to one full size three hundred pound human, possibly Gabriel Rubio? No, no, that's not that's that's not a that's not a bad trade at all. I give up eighteen inches of turf for a chance to put a run stuffing three hundred six pound six five Gabe Rubio in there or Batello or whoever, but. uh they ran they ran off the left side and still almost didn't make it but there was nobody there there yeah. needed to be a 306 pound run stuffer there and there was a way to get him back on the field he had been i've broken it down like zapruder film today on <laughs> off my tv and it's it's all over the twitter now or whatever we're supposed to i just call it twitter and uh and as far as i can tell it was a basically um uh it was a swap of um they took Rubio and Kaiser out and they put Harper in and out of the timeout and they didn't get that another big body in there. And Ohio state didn't notice it on the first play. Cause if they had noticed it, they're not running a, 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 they're not running a quick out to as great as Harrison is a guy who's being covered by Morrison. Who's apparently nearly as great, just as great. And that was incomplete. Wasn't had no chance really. Uh, if you're if you notice that, you just run it on the first. I I think you run it. Of course, maybe they're just like, all right. Well, I don't know. It was just wild. It's just a wild ending. Yeah. Yeah. One of the more odd finishes I think I've seen in a Notre Dame game in quite some time. And and you're correct. Um, the the referee did hover like uh, to give time for Notre Dame to sub, uh, but there was no sub. And uh, as as you just alluded to. The trade-off is it, is hard to understand the rationale there. Uh, now, granted, I am not Coach Freeman, nor do I claim to know uh, everything about football. It just seems as an outsider that perhaps, like you said, getting a three hundred pound uh, run 
Stalper would have been ideal in that situation. But, you know, when I look at, um, I did some research today. If you look at names, top, oh, yeah, yeah. Top 10 uh, matchups, the last 10 top 10 matchups. Notre mm-hmm. Dame has played in 10 of them since 2018. That's, that's five years. In the past five, five years, Notre Dame has played in 10 top 10 matchups where they went two and eight during that span. Um, and they lost uh, uh, by an average of 12.6 points in those losses. Now, you look at this past game, that was another top 10 matchup. They just lose by three. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I was, I remember like there was Notre Dame fans were irate. I mean, they, uh, and you know, they're very passionate fans. Uh, they uh, uh, truly take this seriously as they should. And, you know, one of my players was showing me a fight on Eddie Street Commons, like oh, no. immediately after I'm like, okay. Yeah. Oh. So emotions are high. Um, but you know, I, I was, Aaron, I was talking with Aaron, um, today, uh, through tests and we were just talking about the reaction by the fan base. And I, I think we got to pause, hit the pause button, uh, as Notre Dame fans and say, you know what, just, just a couple of years ago, uh, Notre Dame fans would have been probably happy losing only to Ohio State by three points. And I think that just shows how far the program's come uh, over the year, uh, over the past decade, uh, even going far as back as Kelly, where, okay, we play these top 10 matchups. For a while, I mean, we were losing by a lot. You think about 2018, uh, number two Clemson, number three Notre Dame, that was a minus 27 uh, point margin there in that game. You, you think about uh, Alabama, Notre Dame in 2020, that was a 17-point loss. Uh, the uh, same year, Clemson and Notre Dame, that was a 24-point loss. Uh, but you look at the last, you know, three years, at, you know, Notre Dame beat Clemson 47-41, that gigantic win at home. You look at uh, the disappointing loss to Oklahoma State, another top-10 matchup, that was only a minus two-point margin. You look at uh, the last three here, Cincinnati, and then last year, Ohio State, uh, both 11-point losses. So any top 10 matchups, uh, Notre Dame is, you know, in theory, playing a little bit closer to these uh, opponents. Um, but uh, they still need to uh, to win more of these games, clearly, because they're 2-8 and eight in the last 10 here for the top 10 matchup. But, you know, I, I like what you're doing with the research. I would say no moral victories. And Notre Dame screwed up the end of that game, going right back to the final offense or the final full offensive series and the four-minute offense. Screwed up everything from that to the, the long conversions on the final defensive drive in such a way that the re-evaluation in, inside the Goog needs to be happening. You can't let the players so much. You don't want to beat them up about it. but everything about how they coached through that decision-making, you know. You know, uh, I was reading tweets of people asking or or saying that Al Golden should be fired after this game. I'm like, why? Because uh, we lost Ohio State by three? Okay, coaches may have made some uh, questionable uh, decisions down the stretch, but uh, let's not forget the big picture where Notre Dame is heading in the good direction. Recruiting is getting better. Freeman still the right guy at the right time. And, uh, you know, it stinks. It really does stink that the Notre Dame lost. Uh, but, uh, you know, as Coach Sharp would always say, a, a legendary uh, Jimtown uh, uh, coach, Indiana Hall of Famer, the sun will still rise in the morning, you know? Yeah. So uh, you got to kind of put your – pants back on and your your, um, your your hard hat back on and just get grinding and get back to work uh, come the next practice. And, you know, as you just alluded to, Duke is no slouch, you know. Um, and, you know, that that's going to be a tough battle for Notre Dame uh, as they try to rebound from that uh, uh, very disappointing loss to the Buckeyes. So, uh Real quick, as, as before we before we end here, let's talk about some of the guys that 
did shine uh, in this high uh, stakes game that was a national profile game on uh, in prime time. Um, who's who stood out to you in particular for Notre Dame? Well, a lot of I think who you know who really improved their their present and their future standing. Somebody like Ben Morrison uh, getting so many reps against Marvin Harrison Jr. Big big ups to if they still say that uh, uh, props whatever. <laughs> say Howard Cross helped his stock because just like he did at Ohio State um, a year ago, uh, which where he has he's such a good uh, introspective interview. Um, and recently he said that game really opened his eyes. He's like, I could, if I can, and his dad, you know, champion tight end with the, with the giants, I'm old enough to remember Howard cross, uh, his dad, um, and Howard cross the third here is, uh, you know, he, he's, he's been told by his family, you know, you're, you, you, you've got upside. You've got a, you can keep playing this game for a while. And I think he showed again last night. He's really hard to block. Mm -hmm. He is not a big body guy, but he's slippery. And he and I and he's kind of like, uh, you know, he he just uh, he he just finds he's he's kind of like Gumby, and he just gets through there, and and then once he gets there, he's he's kind of angry, and then he gets to, he ends up with a lot of quarterback pressures. So, heck of a player. Riley Mills had a wonderful game too, and um, and and Javante John Baptiste. You know, there are a lot of people who did good things, and you know, um. Uh, Mitchell Evans, we mentioned, had a big game coming back. Uh, J.D. Bertrand had an excellent game. Anybody who doubted his ability to shake off the concussion and be a, a difference maker and be in, be in all the action made a great shoestring tackle on Travion Henderson that per, uh, saved a touchdown late in the game, right before that um, uh, fourth down stop on the perimeter. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't a total disaster. Uh, well, well said, and uh... – you know, uh, it'd be interesting to see how this Irish ball club can uh, kind of uh, how they respond. You know, uh, as John Wooden would say, it's not always what happens to you, but it's how you respond to things. And I think he kind of knew a thing or two about winning championships. You mentioned uh, some guys on defense that had, you know, great showing like Bertrand and uh, Jean Batiste and, and obviously Howard, as you just mentioned earlier. Uh, and and what a great showing for an undersized guy who's six foot two eighty from New Jersey, a guy that uh, is uh, you know may not get the benefit of the doubt from uh, the scouts, and um, but uh, what a great step forward for him. Um, and, and the receiving core continues to uh, take steps and in, in good directions here with Mitchell and Jaden and Tyree and and even Flores Jr. So Flores and Great House, another good night for Great House. Those ghost freshmen hit the ground running. They can play, and 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 it's great that they're getting a chance to play right away. Uh, you know, they're, they're um they made the most of their their reps, I'd say. Flores reached the end zone, but um, also Jeremiah Love uh, really ran hard. I mean, a tremendous night for him. Jabron Payne with a touchdown out of the Wildcat and some big tough inside runs that you don't normally think of him. You think of him more as a scat back. But Jadarian Price only got 10 snaps, and in real time, I was wondering what was going on there. We didn't get an explanation on on the rotation, but the running back snaps uh, uh, for the whole game uh, on offense were 25 for Estime, 16 for Love, 14 for Payne, 12 for Ford, and 10 for Price. And I know a five-headed monster sounds cool and all, but Estime is, like, monstrous enough that he should not come off the field as much as he did. Yeah, yeah, I kind of got the same. Hey, you know what? I, I'll say this: if it's fourth down and one, again, I'm not the greatest football mind. I'm not a football coach, <laughs> but if I had a choice between Estime and Hartman on fourth down and one, I'm probably picking Audrey to say, "Hey, yeah, lean forward enough to get one yard." You know, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's, it's time even to retire the, the Mitchell Palooza because he's so valuable in the, he's already had a documented concussion this year and he's so valuable as a blocker and a pass catcher. Just, yeah, just, just big back estimate. Look who's well, I'll just leave you with this. The, the winning touchdown Ohio state subbed in, you know, they got Henderson's big dude too, but they subbed in the biggest back they have. And that's former linebacker from Arizona state 
mm-hmm. I believe Arizona State. Yeah. Uh, or Arizona transfer uh, chip. Very hard to say or spell. Trainum, train trainum, trainum. Two hundred thirty-three pound chip. And I think he needed every bit of, the, of that strength to power in there and, and, and cross the plane of the goal line. That's all he needed to do. Nose of the football over the plane of the goal line. Nearly fumbled on that. D.J. Brown was so close, it looked like, to stripping it. Uh, the ball was was jostled. It was he, he had to recollect it as he was falling forward. Heck of a game. Pleasure to talk with you guys about it. Mike, it's been a pleasure to, to have you on our show. So, and have you taught Notre Dame football? We'll have to have you back. Yeah, and as a lot of people say, things are never as good as they seem, nor are they, are they as ever as bad as they seem. Just hold steady, and I think Notre Dame will do that. Freeman's, uh, you know, the leader that uh, Notre Dame has right now, and, and I'm, I think we'll, they'll be just fine. And uh, we'll see what they do against Duke. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Well, let's move on to topic number two, what we learned from week number seven. Mishawaka makes a statement against Warsaw. Yeah, definitely. And Brady Fisher made some great big plays. It seems like he has a 70-yard run every game. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Novell Miller ran hard as well. Mishawaka won the line of scrimmage for most of the night. And the KMN defense, you know, they were... I think you mentioned this to me, Will. They, they were put into tough situations early on, but they showed grit throughout the game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Aaron, we were able to interview Coach Kinder following their game, and here's what he had to say. Hey, Coach, uh, congratulations on your 34-11 win against Warsaw. What did you learn tonight about your team? That our kids are resilient. You know, we got put into some bad spots early. You know, they we had to punt out of our own end zone, held them to no points. Had to punt deep in our own territory, held them to three points. You know, they had the ball twice in plus territory and scored three points. So uh, that's impressive by our defense. And then uh, we were efficient offensively. You know, we had the one turnover, which I hated, but, uh, you know, just proud of our kids. You know, Mishawaka now controls their own destiny to win their second NLC title in four years. Let's move on to Knotts and Lavelle and uh, this game did not disappoint. Knotts holds on late to beat Lavelle. Yeah, Jake Conroy and Miles McLaughlin made big plays on the ground for Knox, and they each had over 100 yards rushing, so they were racking up those rushing yards. Despite Lavelle's costly turnovers, the Lancer still had a chance to tie the game at the end. Let's move on to Valley and Jimtown. Timber Canoe gets their first win against the Jimmies all time in the series. Yeah, tough start for Jimtown. They they kind of dug themselves in the twenty one nothing hole. Never really were able to overcome that, and they lost thirty five to fourteen. Give a lot of credit to Tippy Valley. They're they're kind of rolling this year. They finally beat Jimtown for the first time uh, on the football field. That is. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, they have they have two players on the preseason All State team: uh, Nathan Parker on offense and uh, Wade Jones on defense. And uh, you know, I think they've definitely earned some more respect. Uh, uh, you know, with the way they're playing right now, and uh, it sets up for uh, a. An incredible first year of the Indiana Notre State Conference next year. So I uh, can't wait to see how that unfolds next year. Raiders survive an upset bid 14 to 7. Yeah, so I, I watched this one on streaming because it was a it kind of surprised me. It was close. I know that, you know, Wallace C has some talent and it showed up again in this game. They really came out with a lot of swag and confidence. They started Luke Kime at quarterback as. Their typical starter, Mason Shoemaker, was out. I didn't really catch if that was injury-related. I'm assuming that it was. You know, they did a nice job firing off the ball on both sides. They they got Northridge into negative rushing yards in the first few drives. And uh, a name that I that stood out on the the film was Donovan Blair for War, for Wallacey. Sorry, he made his presence known on both sides of the ball. He had some big tackles. Some of them for loss. He had a big, uh, big reception, and then he punched it in on a touchdown run as their only score of the game. And then he also had a really big sack near the 
end of the first half that I was having thoughts of like, man, maybe this is Wallace's night to get that signature win. You know, Aaron, I was thinking the same thing as I saw the score updates on uh, X, and I was thinking, wow, what a win this would be for Wallace C. However, uh, Northridge uh, touchdowns uh, were run by Sherwood in the first half, and Clark in the third quarter proved to be the difference here. Wallace could not capitalize on their opportunities to either tie or take the lead down the stretch. Yeah, and Northridge rallied, got two big sacks on the final two possessions. I think both were on fourth down, and that was from uh, uh, linebacker Corbin Kaulut. I probably got that last name wrong, but Corbin K came up huge with two sacks. Um, you know, Wallace C, Luke Kime looked like he could throw the ball around the, the quarterback for Wallace C. He had a pass that was really close to Hunter Tinky and if I mean if he would have caught that that would have been a probably a touchdown play I think Wallace C had a really good shot to do something special tonight but in the end Northridge kind of rallied and got the job done yeah you know John Glenn shuts out Bremen 42-0 Aaron this this caught a lot of people's attention the final score there yeah definitely I think you were telling me how that John Glenn's defense forced three interceptions, which is huge. And on offense, they had over 200 yards rushing just in the first half. And this game was pretty much decided at half as Bremen was down 35 nothing. So give Coach Barron a lot of credit for that. John Glenn deserves more respect, and they will be an intriguing team come playoff time. Elkhart gets a nice win over St. Joe without quarterback Rost and without they're fine defensive end and die. Yeah, Elkhart, you know, they jumped out to that early 19-point lead, but were outscored 17-7 after that by St. Joe. You know, Aaron, it just feels like Elkhart is getting better despite their 2-4 record. I think they have a few winnable games before their big season finale of New Prairie. Early in the season, Elkhart took on a lot of criticism, but give credit to the Lions for steadily getting better. Yeah, you know, personally, I think I kind of caught up, got caught up in their record, kind of like what you're alluding to. You know, they do deserve a lot of praise. You know, they could have, kind of, they didn't get too low after their tough start. Obviously, they played some pretty tough competition. So, shout out to Elkhart. Well, Aaron, let's move on to top hit number three, revealing our week seven top ten, uh, number ten. St. Joe, number nine, Concord, eight, Riley, seven, New Prairie, six, Northwood, fifth, Warsaw, fourth, Elkhart, third, Northridge, second, Mishawaka, and number one, Penn, with honorable mention going to both LaVille and John Glenn. Aaron, your reaction to our newest top 10? You know, it, it looks like teams are kind of solidifying where they fall in the pecking order. Um, I think Elkhart, what what they showed against Penn in that half, and then how they won against St. Joe is big for them. Um, and then you got, obviously, Mishawaka and Penn are on their own little tier here. Yeah, I think it. I think the list is fair, and it's starting to kind of solidify. Like I mentioned, how do you see this? Yeah, Aaron, I would agree. Yeah, I think this list is solid. Um, you know, Penn is clearly the king of this area. Um, Mishawaka, I think, is on a maybe a tier on their own as well on, as a second layer. Mm-hmm. Um, then that third layer, you can put multiple teams on there, including Northridge, Elkhart, Warsaw, Northwood, maybe New Prairie in that in that third tier there underneath Penn and Mishawaka. Um, I, and you put you know Northridge and New Prairie in a game. I, I don't know if that's a clear cut who wins that. Elkhart and Warsaw, who wins that? Uh, we're going to see 
uh, Northwood and Mishawaka. So that's an opportunity for the Panthers to make some noise. I think, you know, people kind of, the, the hype has kind of calmed down, if you will, from the start of the season there and having those two division one players, um, uh, you know, maybe, maybe they do better when the spotlight is not as big and people are not talking about them as much. Maybe, um, they find a way, uh, yeah. you know, to beat a Mishawaka. What a statement that would be. Um, yeah, it's so kind of, it's it, kind of like the opposite of how the past few years have gone for Northwood. It might be good that they face their adversity now. Like you mentioned, a lot of these teams are going to be sectional opponents, which just adds another layer of intrigue as the postseason is approaching us. Absolutely. You know, uh, our spotlight game, which we're going to get to next, uh, that's a matchup for our poll of seven versus eight. Mm. Uh, so some intriguing matchups here, a couple of top ten showdowns. Uh, Northwood, Mishawaka, you got New Prairie, Riley. Um, so uh, a lot of good games still ahead here. Uh, let's move on to top of number four spotlight game, and that is going to be, uh, as we just said, New Prairie and Riley. So let's talk about some of the matchups to watch in this game. Uh, Riley's receiver, uh, receiving core versus New Prairie secondary. I think that would be very fascinating to watch. You know, can the receivers get off? uh the dbs and and get open um and can they consistently move the ball through the passing game uh versus new prairie secondary yeah and to go along with that will the line of scrimmage like every football game is going to be super important and will austin white have time uh to make those reads in the pocket you know i think riley's offensive line is pretty stout and this is going to be a different test though with uh for a new prairie so that'll be a matchup to watch as well yeah yeah well said so let's move on to the keys of the game first off riley uh they got to match new prairie's physicality uh, everybody knows that new prairie is very physical uh and you know someone argued that riley's maybe a little more finesse maybe a little more open space but you uh, one-on-one battles, uh, you know, more speed and physical, but uh, um, uh, well, that'll be an interesting, uh, you know, matchup there. Mm-hmm. Got to be able to handle adversity, you know. Uh, Riley, uh, give them credit, they're sits and no, but, you know, uh, it's, their schedule is not very hard. Um, not when you have to be like the lights up Indianapolis, Washington, or South in Washington, or South in Clay. Uh, and the third key to the game is contain Marshall Kamishik. Uh, You know, he is the, the captain of the ship, if you will. And uh, a lot of attention will be on him. Uh, cannot let him uh, run loose as he does, it seems like, every game. Yeah, well said, Will. And if we flip it to New Prairie, one uh, first key would be pressuring the quarterback, getting to Austin White, making it uncomfortable. Uh, number two, tackling in space, being able to get their athleticism, not letting them get those yards after the catch or rush. Um, and the third one, wearing down the Wildcats. No, Aaron, let's move on to topic number five and the Will and Aaron weekly picks. You know, we're privileged and honored to have with us New Prairie Boys Basketball Head Coach Ben Wigington, you know, coach has been a longtime assistant. Now is his turn to be the head coach. Uh, we're really looking forward to see what he does year one at New Prairie. Coach, welcome to the Will and Aaron Show. Guys, excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. You know, first of all, before we get to the pits, uh, briefly, uh, briefly update us on how summer ball went for you and how preseason is going so far for the Cougars. Sure. So summer was great. Uh, we we really tried to challenge ourselves with the group we had and go play some difficult competition. Um, I liked where we went. We we really tried to focus on going to some uh, some of the colleges that host around the area, and it got us a chance to play some good competition against teams that we don't normally see. Uh, so it w- it was a good summer. Um, and then as we kind of transitioned into fall, 
uh, we were eager to get going as soon as we could. And so as soon as um, uh, fall season or fall uh, off-season work for us was allowed, we were in the gym. Um, we've got a nice mix of some skill work days and some weight room days. And uh, we've got a good group of kids that are buying in and really trying to get better. Um, between skill work, the weight room work, and then we've got a, uh, a number of kids playing in different fall leagues throughout the area. Uh, we like what we're doing. Well, that's great to hear. And we're looking forward to having you back on the show. We can kind of take a deeper dive into New Prairie basketball. And, uh, you know, uh, so let's update the click. Uh, or I, I'm sorry. Let's update the weekly uh, pick records. Uh, Aaron and I, we are now tied. We're 22 and 8. Uh, and our guest pickers, they kind of picked it up last week. Uh, Coach Bender and Coach Burke both went four and one, so that upped the record to 16 and nine. Um, no pressure, coach, but I got a feeling you you might be the first guy that goes five and oh. <laughs> Fingers crossed, I'll give it my best. All right, so let's go ahead and start. All right, so first game this week, we have uh, St. Joe at Penn. You know, we've talked recently about the growth of Coach Downey's squad on our show, and I kind of liked uh, them to pull the upset last week against Elkhart, but they were not quite ready for that. Um, you know, and now they got even a taller task in Penn, and I think, you know, Penn is rolling. I think they're going to get another NIC win here, so I'm going to take Penn in this one. Aaron, uh, I like what you said. Uh, Coach Downey's a longtime friend of mine, and he's got that program going in the right direction. It will be fun to see what they can do. Mm-hmm. But but Penn is at just a, a level, a high level in our area. And, you know, I think about the Elkhart game you just mentioned. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, Penn and Elkhart, competitive game, but Penn was able to come out ahead in that one. Last Friday, St. Joe and Elkhart, competitive game, but St. Joe came up short. That tells a little bit of the story for me, so my pick would be Penn. That's a great choice, Coach. And, you know, Penn's line is just better, and I think McCullough and Bayless, um, I think they'll look to have big games. I like Penn in this matchup. All right, game two features Northridge at Concord in a pretty big NLC matchup. Both teams have faced common opponents the past two weeks. Uh, Concord has outscored those opponents 94 nothing, and Northridge has outscored, I'm talking about Goshen and Wallace C. So Northridge has outscored those schools 57 to 13. You know, so Concord has really gotten right on offense since those rough losses to uh, Northwood and Warsaw. And Northridge hasn't been as consistently recently. If you look at the Wallace C game in particular, they had. Uh, about a dozen penalties, even had to punt the ball quite a bit against Wallace C, who looked looked apart against Northridge a little bit. You know, both teams well coached. Um, I got to go with Northridge though, um, Northridge grad, so I got to stick to that. My, I'm going to be on brand again this week. Take Northridge. How about you, Coach? So this is a, an incredibly challenging game to pick. Uh, both teams are playing very well. I think the wild card might be Concord's quarterback situation. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about it this way. If I were to look at Concord's offense, Concord's defense, Northridge offense, Northridge defense, I think the strongest group in that bunch might be the Concord defense. And mm-hmm. so with that combined, I think they're going to have enough playmaking in other areas, uh, their special teams, and then they'll do things to support the quarterback. And then it's at Concord. And so, mm-hmm. Those three things right there make me think Concord's the pick. Okay, so coach going with the Minutemen. You know, I think Northridge got caught last week looking ahead to to the Concord game. You know, look, Coach Epley, he he will have his guys ready to go. Concord is a solid team, as you know, coach who just mentioned. Um, I I expect this to be a close game. Northridge demonstrated that. They can beat a good team without McLean, and I believe they'll be without McLean uh, perhaps this week as well. You know, I think Clark is probably the better quarterback uh, if you're doing a comparison between Glance and and Clark. Uh, I think Northridge is probably a little more balanced on offense as well, whereas Concord this year is more run heavy with Jerron Thomas. Uh, he's averaging 132 yards per game. You know, I think Northridge probably has a slight advantage on the line of scrimmage. Uh, plus they have some skilled players in the passing game that could cause 
Concord issues. I'm going to take Northridge in a close game, but wouldn't be surprised if Concord won as well. All right, the next game, we have LaVille at John Glenn, another intriguing game. You know, I've kind of been riding John Glenn in my picks, even with their tough uh, road schedule here in the middle of the season. The Falcons have gone one, or three and one in those tough four road game trips, so they're going to get some home cooking against LaVille. LaVille is a team that I'm, I'm pretty impressed with, a little bit I've seen of them on, on streaming and stuff. This is a tough one, and I guess I'm going to lean toward John Glenn. How about you, Coach? Aaron, I agree. This is a tough one. Uh, I looked at a couple different things. Um, very close in record, each team. Uh, very close in Sagarin rating. Um, when you look at their strength of schedule, John Glenn's played just a little bit tougher schedule than what LaVille has. And then it's at John Glenn, and I think that factors in as well. So given, given that, I went John Glenn. Nice. You know, I, that, that's a nice pick. You know, as we mentioned earlier in the show, Aaron, uh, Coach uh, Barron has done a tremendous job getting this program where it is today, uh, which is, you know, a, a tough nose, uh, punch you in the mouth, uh, run the ball down your throat type of team. Uh, however, LaVille has uh, played a, a nice schedule, uh, obviously John Glenn as well. Um LaVille should have beaten Knotts last week. You know, I, I went back and watched that game. Uh, they know they let one slip away. And I think that uh, that anger uh, will spill out uh, this Friday. Uh, remember, folks, despite John Glenn beating Jimtown and throttling Bremen, you know, they struggled to beat a bad Angola team, and they got blown out by Knotts just a few weeks ago. You know, yes, John Glenn is on the rise, and, uh, I think they're inching closer to the next tier of great teams, but Laville has beaten John Glenn five times in a row, and I think that that trend continues this Friday. Uh, I'm gonna swim against the stream, uh, and I'm gonna pick Laville to clean up their turnovers. Uh, I think they'll play a complete game here, and I think Coach Kaiser is gonna really focus, you know, this week on kind of uh, cleaning up some of the messes from last week. And I got them beating John Glenn uh, this Friday. All right, that's a good one, Will. Um, next up, we have Mishawaka and Northwood. Uh, a dynamite matchup here might determine the NLC. You know, what, I'm going to start by talking about Warsaw a little bit because a couple of weeks ago, I had this theory that teams that can't throw the ball might not be able to beat Northwood, and I think Warsaw kind of proved that theory wrong. And then, so I think Mishawaka can kind of use that recipe. Of course, they. They looked really great against Warsaw, and they have that physicality and athleticism as well. You know, I think Northwood will make it another close game like last year. You, you got two talented, well-coached teams. Um, I just think the cavemen have the ability to pose their will up front. Uh, so I like Mishawaka to kind of take command of the NLC race this week. How about you, Coach? Yeah, I thinking about what you mentioned, Aaron, about Warsaw. I watched Mishawaka Warsaw forty six, and Mishawaka looked really good, physical, uh, dynamic, uh, playmaking, uh, all across the board. Um, thinking about Northwood, a lot of same thing, dynamic, playmaking, all across the board. The only thing is Warsaw, or excuse me, Northwood has been what I think just a touch inconsistent at times this year. It's shown in a couple of those losses. And Mishawaka just looked dynamite against Warsaw on Friday. And so I think they're at the point where you pick Mishawaka until they give you reason to not pick them. And so my pick is Mishawaka. Oh, nice. Good pick, Coach. Uh, you know, Mishawaka, uh, they probably had the better line of scrimmage uh, than what Northwood has. Uh, I don't see Northwood stopping Mishawaka. It's kind of odd to say that, but Northwood's going to have to match Every touchdown, Mishawaka scores. I just really don't think Northwood's defense can stop the the rushing attack from Mishawaka. Uh, you know, I saw Mishawaka live last week. Uh, talked with Coach Kinder after the game. He's very happy and pleased with where they at right the, where they are right now. Um, this is a very physical team. Uh, they were in control of Warsaw most of that game, uh, other than early on, which is. Hard to do that against a well-coached uh, team by uh, Curtis. Um, 
we all know what Warsaw did to Northwood, you know, recently. So the fact that Mishawaka was able to do that to, to Warsaw, you know, sure, last year Northwood beat Mishawaka in a close game. But, you know, this year through six games, Mishawaka is a more impressive team so far. I'm going to take Coach Kinner and the Mishawaka Cavemen this week. All right. So the last one here we have Riley at New Prairie. Uh, North-South versus East-West uh, NIC matchup here. You know, the Wildcats have been waiting, I think, to show out against another quality opponent. That They're only probably, well, I guess John Glenn would fit that a category in Week 2 uh, quality team. Uh, New Prairie is another quality opponent. They'll travel, the Wildcats, that is, will travel to Amzie Miller Field. If my research is correct, you have to go back to 2011. A sexual matchup was the last time Riley beat New Prairie. Uh, so the Cougars have won seven straight. I kind of like that trend to continue. I'm going to have to go with New Prairie in this one. Well, Riley is playing very well, and it, it will be fun to see. Um, the Cougars are focused. Uh, they're playing well on offense. And then defensively, I think they're excited to see this matchup. Riley can put some points up. And this will be a good kind of see where you're at defensive test for New Prairie um, as they can kind of look towards the, the back half of the season here. So defensively, it will be fun to watch uh, how they handle Riley's offensive capabilities. Um, New Prairie on offense, to me, it's Kamichek and Associates. I mean, those, there's five or six names you can throw out there. And all those guys do is score touchdowns. And so um, I, I think the Cougars are focused. I think they're all business right now. It's homecoming for New Prairie. I know those guys really well, uh, and I'm cheering for them. So my pick is the Cougars. All right. Coach, you're going with the Cougars. You know, Riley might be 6-0, but their strength of schedule ranks 267th out of 315 any high school football teams. You know, Riley struggled with Adams, whereas New Prairie blew them out. Uh, Riley was in a tussle with South Bend Washington for really uh, that first half and some of that even second half. Uh, and, and right now, the Panthers are not just a uh, they're just not a good team. Uh, to be fair, you know, New Prairie's strength of schedule, not that much tougher either, but still way better than what Riley's is. Uh, we're about to see how good this New Prairie team is in the next few weeks after Riley got pinned. Mishawaka to uh, 6A schools. You know, I think New Prairie has the upper hand on the line of scrimmage in this game versus Riley. Uh, Riley is clearly the best city school this year, uh, but is that good enough to beat a program like New Prairie? You know, I am concerned that New Prairie will overlook Riley and have maybe an eye on Penn. Uh, you know, as Ken Peterson alluded to last week, uh, you would think that the Cougars learned their lesson from the Laporte game uh, but I have a hunch Coach McKim will have the guys ready to go. Uh, regardless of Riley's strength of schedule, it's still a 6-0 team, uh, which is tough to do. Just ask any coach around here. You know, if Riley can make some big plays early on to keep the game close, and I think Riley will make this game competitive going to the fourth quarter. But if they can't, then Nupuri will win and maybe even win uh, easily. So I'm going to have to go with the Nupuri Cougars, just like both of you guys. Will, before we go, I'd like to shout out some NLC schools. I know I probably missed some other headlines, but I want to shout out to Goshen Boys Tennis. They won the NLC tourney and regular season. Uh, had some former students on the team and also a distant cousin, Tyler Scott. So congrats to the Red Hawks. I also want to shout out the Raiders girls golf team making their first trip to the state finals in program history. So best of luck. I know we want to wish all of the fall sports who are heading into postseason play the best of luck. Absolutely. Yeah. Congratulations on those guys. And uh, it's a great time for fall athletics as we get into the tournament mode here. And uh, hopefully our local teams can make a, a run here and come playoff time. Well, Aaron, uh, what a week it's been. Uh, uh, we got a, another great week uh, lined up for us with uh, Friday football night. Uh, a lot of great matchups there. Our spotlight game in the week. Uh, and uh, uh, if you get a chance, uh, we release uh, this week our first ever video 
uh, footage. Oh yeah. Of, uh, uh, our last week's spotlight game between Mishawaka and Warsaw. So check us out on our social media, whether it's X or Instagram or Facebook. Uh, it's about a four, three, four minute video of uh, what we call a drive through of all uh, four quarters. Um, and we had a uh, 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 a high school student do the camera. Uh, and obviously it's our first time. So uh, give us a little grace here. I, I, we might have missed a few key plays uh, from both squads uh, as you know, we're just trying to experiment with the video side of things, but we are very excited about perhaps taking steps to do um, a full game uh, footage and with announcing. Uh, so that is in the, currently in the works. Um, and so we're very, um, uh, look, we're looking forward to that. And uh, hopefully that develops uh, as, as we plan it out here. Well, thank you for listening to Will and Aaron's show. Uh, if you are enjoying our podcast, we would love for you to rate and share our podcast. Leave a review. It will help us out. You can follow us on X at Will Aaron Show, on Instagram at The Will and Aaron Show, and you can like The Will and Aaron Show Facebook page. Thanks to you. We now have listeners from nine different countries, 31 states across America, and 125 U.S. cities. Tune in next time as we discuss more local high school sports and Northern football.